First and foremost, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we, myself, and my guests record today's podcast. I extend respect and gratitude to the elders past, present, and emerging of those nations, and to all Aboriginal peoples listening today. Always was, always will be. Welcome, I'm Timberlina and you're listening to Yas Queen, the podcast where we talk about everything without knowing anything about everything. We have another Q&A episode for you this week and I'll be joined by Pasha Bolka and Nell Duck-Jones. Pasha Bolka is a drag performer from Newcastle, Australia. They began performing in 2019 after a gazillion years of saying they were going to give drag a shot. When they're not doing drag, they're probably trying to figure out how to work Google Classroom during flexible learning arrangements. Pasha is inspired by a diverse range of people, but finds particular inspiration from comedians like Jennifer Saunders, Dawn French, Amy Pollard, and Tina Fey. Pasha's next big goal to work on is their administration skills and purchase an automated vacuum cleaner. Nell Duck-Jones, marriage celebrant, MC, voiceover artist, beer hound, and sweary lady. You might recognise her from such voiceovers as those heard on the Blush stage, at Timber Productions, Drag Off, and every single Timberlina show you've ever attended. Oh, and she also is the mother of a 17-year-old and a 7-year-old. This episode, we discuss topics of young people, drag, education, and everything in between. So, let's get straight into this episode... Welcome to this week's episode. I am joined by the amazing Nell Duck Jones and Pasha Bolka. Yes, she got away from Nobby's Beach, but she's here in person with us. We're very excited to have both of them on the podcast. So can I get you both to start with, not at the same time, but what is your name? Where are you based? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Pasha Bolka. I'm a bit of a wreck, but I'm a generally easygoing person. I'm technically more of a high school teacher than I am drag person slash whatever. And I'm addicted to Pepsi Max. I'm not complicated. Very good. <laughs> that sounded complicated in my ears, but that's totally fine. <laughs> All right. Well, my name's Nell. I'm also entirely uncomplicated. I'm a marriage celebrant. I attempt voiceover artistry, sometimes badly, sometimes it goes well. Yeah. Depends how many beers I've had. I am the parent to two children, a big one and a little one, one's 17 and one's seven. And I am somewhat ingrained in the drag community in a bit of a support uh, role in the background, um, assisting Timberlina run some events, doing voiceover bits and pieces, occasionally using words my big girl words to write stuff. Um, and I like beer. Well, that's important. That's probably the most important thing you need to know about Nelly is that she likes beer. So if you ever see her empty handed at any event, please get her a beer. Don't fancy something bogan like two is new. Yeah. VB, if they're not serving you, it's fine. Um, and it can come in a can. She doesn't mind. <laughs> Can's better. Um, perfect. Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on. We're doing a Q&A today. So Q&A is probably one of our most popular episodes here at Yas Queen. Um, well, I do enjoy recording it because currently 
I just got back from the bush visiting my mum and dad and I have poured myself a glass of wine. So I'm very excited and I hope both of them have a drink with them. I know Nell does. Haven't seen Pasha take any kind of sip of anything. Oh, <laughs> Pepsi Max. Of course, I could have guessed. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> so um, usually I put out questions and no one ever gets back to me with any questions. So then I sit on the lounge with mum today before I left. Come in with all these amazing questions. But one question that we did have come in is, we know Timberlina is named after a cocktail. What's in a Timberlina cocktail and what would the Pasha Bolka and the Nell Duck Jones cocktails be? So I'll start with that, obviously, because the first question was for me. So what's in a Timberlina cocktail is your standalone, pretty much espresso martini with chai infused in it with chai whipped cream. Um, so it's very, very sweet, just like me. <laughs> um, and it was original name was a dirty Timberlina. So it was a dirty chai espresso martini pretty much with uh, chai whipped cream. That was my cocktail. I dropped the dirty because I'm not dirty. I'm actually an angel. I'm just the Timberlina now. Um, Pasha Bolka, what would your cocktail involve? I know you've, you've had one named after you before. Not not me personally. That was Somebody someone. Else. It was unofficial. Yeah, okay. The unofficial. But we don't talk of that place, so it's totally fine. No. Um, so... There's two I was thinking of. One is just a great big fish bowl of water from Nobby's Beach, preferably with a bit of seaweed, a bit of sand in there, and just a drop of tequila. Drink that, Bob to your uncle. Plenty of It'll foam on top. Yeah, a bit of foam. Don't forget to save foam. And if, like, you know, someone's random fingernails in there, all the better. A bit of extra taste. But Can't wait what- not to have that. <laughs> <laughs> And you can get a silly straw. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> what was the second option? Second option is a watermelon and mint infused vodka martini with the sea salt rim and maybe a, a slice of a wedge of lime. Oh, I like that one much better. <laughs> that is my pick. <laughs> okay. Um, my vanilla Duck Jones cocktail is super easy. Bartenders love it. You basically walk up to the bar, lean on it slightly and ask for a pint of new or VB if they don't have it. And then you take your pint, you walk away and you scull it at the table. What if it's a schooner? Well, then you get two. If they don't have pints, you get two. So is that a Nell Dark Jones double? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yours is going to be beer related. You could have just done it like, though, make those, I don't even know what cocktails they are, but like maybe a margarita with like a beer in the margarita. Well, the other thing, I did consult some experts on the subject, the numerous bogan males sitting in my shed this afternoon, and they suggested, (laughs) (laughs) they suggested that I just pour gin, vodka, Malibu and pineapple juice into a container, shake it around, and then pour it into the skulls of my enemies and we drink it from that. I I love the fact that it's just a container. Yeah. Like find some Tupperware. Like doesn't an, matter like what. Like an it is. empty two litre juice bottle from Coles. Shake it around and then you pour it into the skull of your enemy and you drink it. Can you also explain what is your obsession with skulls? <laughs> I love skulls because they are what's beneath for everybody. 
and they're always smiling. Doesn't matter what's on the outside. Skulls are happy little fucking creatures. And <laughs> we're all the same underneath. My teeth what are different to yours. <laughs> what about if you've got like a caved in skull? Well, then your skull's not quite the same as mine, isn't it? But when you were born, <laughs> it probably was. Oh my God. <laughs> They are, they are a symbol of humanity. They are everyone underneath and that's it. And I love them. Okay. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> um, anyway, that was great. I'm so glad I can just go to any fucking bar and get the Nil Duck Jones cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Pasha Bulgara, it might be a little bit harder unless I'm at Nobby's Beach and then every day I could have a sip of you. Um, especially with the toenail. I'm so excited for that one. Um, I feel like we now need for Halloween is to actually get someone to make fake, like, lolly toenails. Oh, my God, yes. Um, and Nell would love that because it's, like, dead stuff. So. <laughs> She'd be, like, putting it to, finding all of them put together and make a skull. It's just yeah. like skulls. We all have toenails. Except for, like, some drag queens because they fall off from wearing really tight shoes, so. Yeah, we have at least one toenail in between the ones that have fallen off from your ridiculous hooker shoes. It's fine. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Let's move on to the next question, which was another one that came in. So I've got two questions this round. So maybe next time I do a Q&A call out, I'll get three questions. But there's a two part for this. Is drag now mainstream? And if so, should it, ha should it have stayed a cultural expression of queerness? Oh. I, I do think it's pretty mainstream now, but I think the idea of it being, here's my problem with it. It basically says you've got to be queer to do or enjoy drag. And the moment we say something's queer, it's sort of like saying, oh, you listen to Britney Spears, you must be gay because the, the gays love her. Or it could mean, I, that could mean like you're gay. <laughs> you're gay. <laughs> and I mean, you look at some really famous drag queens, like whether you love or hate her, Dame Edna, really popular female impersonator in Australia, she was mainstream. Drag, certain drag acts aren't, but it, do you see where I'm a bit confused with this? Oh, totally. Um, but because automatically people just automatically think that drag is queer. And yes. it's not. I mean... It, they're Dallas like we've got one uh, performers here who are not necessarily gay queer yeah but even then queer is such a complicated term in itself it's true but you think drag is now mainstream yes it just and it was it should never bring about that cultural expression of queerness yeah i i'm going to interject i don't think that drag is mainstream compared to the many forms of art and entertainment that are out there. I think it is now more publicly accepted and there's a lot more of it on an open platform, but I wouldn't say that it's mainstream in any sense. There's so many more arts competing with it that I don't think that it's the be all and end all. It's not mainstream. Well, we've had our first it clash of the evening. <laughs> Is this where we call each other a mole? Yeah, mole! <laughs> I, 
there, there are lots of other, there's lots of other forms going for the prize. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, you look at um, television, KTV or whatever, Foxtel or Free to Air if you're poor. Um, and there's usually there's like 20 programs to choose from. Maybe one of them is something that's touched by the drag community. So it's not the majority. It's not mainstream. It's still unique and runs its own course at the moment. I don't, you can't turn on the TV and just see five drag shows at one time. No, and I You I can agree. turn on Facebook at the moment and see it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you weren't looking for it. And I agree, like, 20 years ago, I'm pretty sure the only TV show you'd find that had a drag queen in it would be, like, one episode of Friends, where Chandler's father's in it. And that um, character wasn't actually a drag queen. They're a transgender person. Yeah, but they were presented pure... Like, I watched it the other day. Yeah, and they I was were so, presented as a bit of a parody. Yeah. yeah. I was so confused because I was like... Growing up with it, I was like, this character's a drag queen, but not at the same time what's going on. And watching it now, I'm like, this character's like doing drag, but not a drag queen. I don't... But they don't... They were clum- I think they were clumsily portraying the character as a transgender person, but didn't quite pull it off because there was so much awkward humour around it at the time. So a lot of people watching it 20 years ago on Drag Queen. Now, I think it's evolved a bit and they would have written the character a little bit better. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> be more respectful to the idea that transgender person, not a drag queen. Yeah. Absolutely. But even in that same vein, by now, like, I think you're a lot more likely, and that doesn't mean mainstream by any stretch of the imagination, but I do genuinely think it's on its way there. Um, when you've yeah, got- it's, it's more accepted, it's more open, there's less judgment, it's more commonplace, but I still, I'm not, I wouldn't label it mainstream in any sense. Fair enough. And the other question you asked there was the, should it have stayed a cultural expression of queerness? I think it should stay an expression of whatever the performer wants to express at the time. Agree. Yeah. I mean, for me, drag, when I hear that word drag, drag is a form of art. Yeah. Um, You can be an elephant on the stage or a beached whale um and still, or both. <laughs> or both and it could still be called drag in my eyes um and i think that is the best thing about doing drag is that like you get to see so many different artists on stage under that banner of drag absolutely um so i feel like yes and no we all agree that drag is a little bit mainstream but not like home and away mainstream <laughs> But yeah, when I think mainstream, home and away. <laughs> <laughs> what what would what would we say is the most mainstream thing? Mainstream yeah. as in the arts and entertainment. Yeah, like what Musicians. what would you say is the pinnacle of it? Because I have no idea at the moment now. I guess. Well, mainstream entertainment for me is just music, music videos, television shows, movies, art. As in the stuff you paint and put on the walls if you're fancy. <laughs> your performance arts, your plays, theatre, you're a grown-up. 
Okay. And, and I still, yeah. I still think that drag's a really small section of that that community and that performance art space community. I mean, I do, but I I look at that bit from a much more what would have been drag, what people would have said drag is 15 years ago. That would have been and now very different. It's, yeah, it's very different. The ideas have changed and it's like, well, what counts as drag now? I'm sometimes not sure. Well, I think 15 years ago, it was counted as just a drag queen on the stage lip syncing to a couple of Kylie Minogue songs. Now, only Kylie Minogue. <laughs> no fucking Danny. Now it has evolved, like all the arts do, into the performance art space. It's poetry, storytelling. Yes, Pasha. Yes. <laughs> I think dancing, one. live singing. Um, people have thrown paint on themselves on stage. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> very dramatic i suggest doing it once or twice <laughs> um all right i think that's good i feel like that was a good debate um really enjoyed it um this is like now we're going to go into i should probably say we're going into our own opinions on these next questions they are quite broad and open and people have different opinions on each of these questions because it's to do with young people, um, queer and drag performers and everything in between pretty much. So I just want to do that little pre-warning before we get into these. So if people want to switch off this podcast, thank you for listening to the first half. You've gotten my plays up, um, but you can stop listening now if you don't want to <laughs> listen any further because it could trigger some people, I guess. Um, so the first question we are going to go into with this section is, do you think drag story time should continue and grow? Yeah. Um, and it's still... If I'm not mistaken, it's still a relatively new idea, isn't it? It's only a few years old that drag queens have been doing this since like 2015 or so. Yep. And it's got so much more room to breathe and grow and develop and evolve. And I totally, I get why some people are like, I don't like this. But at the same time, I look at it and go, well, if you don't like it, you're not going to it. The people that are going to it, it's just going to help mould those values a bit more and help the kids understand it a bit more. Yeah. And I think, Pasha, some of the people that say, I don't like this, don't actually know what drag story time is. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like, if I was not in the drag scene, I'd hear drag story time. What, what, what's that? Is that what's going on? But I wouldn't say it as gaily. <laughs> <laughs> I think I my answer on that one should drag time drag story time continue and grow is a firm yes of course I am <laughs> parent of a young child he enjoys reading he enjoys colorful performances it combines the two why not and I also because I know what drag story time is I've been to drag story time I've helped plan some of the sessions I'm aware of what is involved I'm not worried about so my youngest child is seven. I'll take him to drag story time. Would I take him to some of Timberlina's adults only bingo shows down at a bar or a club on a Friday or Saturday night? The answer is going to be no. 
But he has been known to play a bit of bingo online. It's online bingo. I, that's something I want to talk about a bit later, but online bingo and the bingo shows that happen in the pubs or the bars, I will say there is a distinct difference. And I think that comes from the lack of, so the virtual bingo, um, there's not as much involvement with the audience. So it's a live shows and Timberlina gets Timberlina's hands on some poor sucker in the front row and teases <laughs> the shit out of them. <laughs> in a somewhat, if you had kids there, an inappropriate way. That's very <laughs> different. There's not so much of that in the virtual one. So there's obviously some innuendos, but I wouldn't say that the virtual bingo that's being run is completely off limits to kids under adult supervision. But would I take my seven-year-old to Five Sawyers on a Thursday night to watch those bingos where at the end of the night, Kimberlina is often known to deep throat a dildo? The answer is no. I... I can't say I remember that shit. Because <laughs> I swallowed it so fast. <laughs> <laughs> but will I, would I, would I take him to a drag story time at the Newcastle Library where it's very monitored. The, the audience is predominantly under eight years of age. Yes. No one's slinging any dick merchandise. There's no dick key rings. There's no dickhead hat. No one swears. The music has been carefully selected. The books have been carefully selected. And I watched with great amusement at how carefully Timberlina chooses Timberlina's words when interacting with the kiddies. I can tell you it's a lot harder than a live gig. <laughs> I almost got permission to take kids to live story time. I was so close to it and then it was like, oh, let's, let's speak with the parents a bit more about it first. And I was like, okay, I was so annoyed that we didn't get to go. It would have been a whole class. Well, I, I don't know like, about, but, but they've been like older kids though, high school kids. Yes, but they, um, they have different situations. Right. So varying um, abilities and levels of, learning and engagement yes, yes exactly i think that might be something that could be looked into for the future so the drag story time that the newcastle library um has been running is really i think focused on those younger kids those toddlers uh, really early primary school i think there might be another um area that could be explored in the future for slightly older kids of different levels of engagement I think that uh, could work as its own story time. They would have, that reading material would have been matched. <laughs> but they could have been in a safer environment where there wasn't 20 screaming toddlers running around. Oh, true, yes. <laughs> That's more my thoughts. I, I forgot about other kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of, there's been a lot of kids at those story times. Yeah. A lot of kids. I would really love to see Timberlina's child friendly bingo. It's number one. There's a bun. It's number one. It literally goes number one. <laughs> Lots of babies. <laughs> Two. It's a runny poo. <laughs> Actually, I, I think too, it's a runny poo is quite fine Funny. for children. Yeah. They'll, they'll laugh at that. There's um, nothing, yeah. there's no innuendos about that. Pick up sticks. There you go. Sticks. <laughs> Number three, got to pee. Yeah. Yep, there you go. It's teaching kids to let their parents know that they need to pee. A 10-year-old <laughs> would 
pee themselves laughing at that one. Like, that's fine. And then you'd probably have a three-year-old going, I need to pee. <laughs> I'd be like, if that was the number, don't copy me. No, five minutes ago, I needed to pee. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I think the end of that topic is, yes, drag story time should stay and continue growing and potentially go into schools on a very yeah. monitored tone, I guess. Um <laughs> Do you, this is one of my favorite things because I've been called this a lot during articles with drag story time. So, um, do you see drag slash queer performers as sexualized characters? The minute, yeah, yeah, I do. And the big thing is, this, this sort of connects to what we were talking about before, where it's like, is drag inherently a queer aspect? Oh, cult, you know, yeah. I'm good with words, is that the first thing I think of is that that's how the first way we define ourselves. Oh, I'm gay, or I'm this, I'm that. And it's, that's where a lot of that comes from for us, is that community, those, how we perform and whatnot. I don't see, if like when I'm in drag, I don't see Pasha as sexual, but that's because, she, I mean, you know, outside the chest, no, but I do think it is sexualized. Absolutely. I'm going to interject again. Absolutely. <laughs> and say, I think I know where this question was coming from. Um, it's not more about, it's not so much about sexuality as sexualized as in the people that don't know anything about drag. Just assume it is all about um, sex and sexing stuff up. And that's where I'm gonna come back to. <laughs> there are levels of drag and environments of drag and like any performance art or entertainment, in some environments, things are very sexual, in other environments, they're not. I have never seen you look so happy. <laughs> the minute you said sex, I could see all the lights <laughs> around your eyes. The eyes rolled back in the head. No, I think my point is, so say you've got um, a movie, like movies are graded, G, PG, M, R, whatever. You take your five-year-old to see a G movie, it's all good. It's um, Even if it's a love story, it's just about friendship and connection and everyone's just maybe holding hands and that's okay. And then you move on to PG and maybe there's a sneaky pash behind the bike shed. You know, <laughs> fine. Get to M. There's some swears, maybe. You move on to MA15+, maybe see a bit of boob. You get to R, rating, and well, <laughs> that's when the eyes re really roll back in my head. <laughs> it's, just, it's the same with drag. So you can have drag story time. That's G. I don't think there's any sexualization about that at all. And then you move up up the scale and you get to blush where there's some elements of sexualization and some things said or done on stage that perhaps you wouldn't show your 12 year old child. And then you go to the other end of the scale where you hit some of Timberlina's deep throating of dildos post bingo shows. And you're like, well, maybe that's R uh, and definitely that's an 18 plus thing. No, I completely agree. But that that's one, that's one example. Yeah. I think there's a difference between sexuality and sexualization in the context that this question is being asked. 
uh, let me re. Ha- I would look at it and say, because for or to be fair, a great deal of drag performers are gay. I do feel that a lot of their acts are. I get to live this fantasy of being a woman. Men find me attractive, and then it sort of goes on from there. I guess that's where I'm coming from. From coming. Anyways, <laughs> I'm a teacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with the words. I had to pass an interview and I, this is because your family intimidate me when we're talking professionally. <laughs> I'm so used to just going, yes. <laughs> don't, um, don't, blame, don't blame me. Don't bring Miss Dark into this. <laughs> Does that make sense though? that perspective yeah i guess the question was coming more of like from nell's point of view yeah um when it because it's just following on from the story time where we are just called sexualized characters where we just try and yeah. throw sex and, in the, and the, every yeah child. the backlash the backlash that came from or comes still comes from drag story time is you get these idiots running websites and facebook pages where they're like this is who your child is seeing during drag story time and they take screenshots and grabs of other stuff that timberlina perhaps has done and merchandise with the dickhead key rings and all that sort of stuff and like this is what your kid is seeing at drag story time that is not what your kid is seeing at drag story time (laughs) i think one of the comments that closes out one of their articles says i hope they are not i hope he is not handing out his merchandise at these drag story times with penises. I was like, no, I don't give away anything for free. When they cost me, it costs money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Boss, no, I'm not handing out dicks. Here you go, you've just got yourself a little dickhead (laughs) kiwi. I mean, the parents that are there watching it want to be there more than the kids. They're probably like, yes, I've always wanted one of those. But like, no, we are not sexualized characters in that way. Um, No. But, but I get where you're coming from, where a lot of gay men do love the attention of dressing up as a female, <laughs> especially on Tinder when everyone matches to them. I may be one of them. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, neither. <laughs> um, all right, let's. Are we, are we happy to move on to the next question? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Should there be more inclusive studies at schools around gender? LGBTQIA plus slash queer community? Oh, I mean, yeah. But the first thing I thought of is reaction to it. Just like you two were discussing then with, oh, they're saying, you know, this kid, this performer's got dickhead merchandise and stuff. The minute you bring sexuality into a school, there is a lot of external stakeholders who will jump on that including internal stakeholders as well who will say no this is not the right place at the time and i completely agree it's the from a values point of uh, view it's our responsibility to address it and incorporate it into schools and i've seen the values i've had to look at them and say okay in organizing personal uh, not personal, prior where at Purple Days at previous places I've worked at, I've had to actually defend it in front of parents. So that's the first place I think of is that backlash. But I still really want it there. Yeah. I think uh, as a parent, 
sometimes I forget about that. Gives me a giggle. Uh, <laughs> I'm in charge of many humans. <laughs> I would totally not object to seeing some more focused education within the Department of Education at schools around language, acceptance, those sorts of things. I don't think anyone needs to sit anybody down and run intensive courses. I think no. that's, that's the people that that's when you get the parents going, what are you trying to convert my child? No, we're not. This is more just broader discussions around equality um, and accepting differences or sameness, whatever, and moving on and just using inclusive language and talking to the kids about how you can use that kind of language and that your friend is still your friend, doesn't matter how they dress, how they speak, and that's it. Absolutely. That's the discussion I have to have day by day with some of my kids. Yeah. And it's all, and there's a lot of things like you just talked about Purple Day. A lot of the kids that were involved in that would have done it voluntarily. No one, oh, no one signed up the whole year nine and said, you have to participate in this. It's still all voluntary. Absolutely. And. But it's important to have the option for the kids to choose to do that. It is yeah. uh, completely. Like I did when in organizing previous days like that, I've not had to force any kids. I've been like, Hey, I think you'd be really good on it. If you want to join, come join. Some kids already knew about it anyways. Cause they were like, Oh, that's, there's, um, Mr. Pasha. <laughs> <laughs> That they'll be organising that this year, anyways. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I I do still worry about parents looking at it, going the fact that the school's holding that day puts that pressure of a student, and I don't agree with that. Yeah, I that don't think there's any pressure. It's, it's, you yeah. can talk to your parents about doing it or not, being involved or not. It's all voluntary. Absolutely. What was that noise? Maybe someone's trying to break into my house. <gasps> Behind you. <laughs> I wouldn't care. I'd be like, oh, thank fuck you're here. <laughs> Are you going to edit that bit out? Jesus. No, because I think it's really funny because you guys were in depth and I was like, what's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> also not going to cut that out. De de deflecting. <laughs> <laughs> um... You both got your answers out there now. I feel I so. I think so. I think we've probably even answered the next question that you're about to ask. Yeah. Should I say just in case you want yeah, to okay. answer more? Go on. Because sure. we know you like the sound of your own voice. Go on. <laughs> I can hear people. Best part is you guys at home can't see the side eye. <laughs> because um, I'm trying to listen to like audio at the same time. Anyway, if you could include one topic on the queer on the queer community in schools, what would it be, and how would you implement it into the schools? I Nell hit right on the hammer for me is language general inclusion. Yeah, not having a full thing of hey everyone's going to be gay for a day or forcing anything, but that dialogue of, oh, by the way, we're looking at this author today. He was queer. And then- We're all gonna be gay for a day, yay. <laughs> <laughs> this what is actually a to your assessment. What, 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 Kimberly, what would you do for the other 364 days a year? 
<laughs> try to be straight. Maybe try being a lesbian. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. Um, okay, did you want to add any more to that, Mel? No, I think we've both answered. Yeah. I agree with them. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Could you tell that I tuned out during that whole session? <laughs> I was thinking, it was like, I need to get more wine, but like, how do I leave the room to get more wine? It's there, fine. Chilling? You'll be you'll be able to listen to the play black play, play I never listen back to podcasts. I just had the um, intro and outro. Oh God! I just love it if he went and got some wine, comes back, and we just said something incredibly offensive, and he's like, "I completely agree." <laughs> It probably will happen. Don't worry. Um, anyway, the next question is a very important question, I believe. I love that Nell has also printed these out. Um, I haven't. I've not. How would this you? Address... <laughs> how would you address a young person who is showing signs they are struggling with accepting themselves? Oh, that's tricky i mean because you probably see it on a day-to-day basis in the schools i i do and it goes case by case when i do it the first thing is i've got to know i've got a rapport with that student where they could trust my opinion and i look at it as if they come to me fantastic if they can't come to me i can maybe give someone in the welfare or well-being unit a bit of a nudge with me elbow and go hey can you have a talk with this kid yada 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 and if they come to me fantastic i'm happy to help and i'll still refer them to the well-being unit but opening with the well-being unit yep can you ask them for support and um ideas around how to communicate with a child like a student if you uh, feel like that they might be thrown off by having a like a third party third party person come in um i can the most of the places i've been actually all the places i've been the the well-being unit have a great relationship with all the kids yeah so that's not something i've had to worry about before but i completely get what you're saying yeah where if it's a bit of a, maybe they'll like differently in my class yeah. to sort of put that fishing line you've out there. About, yeah, you've talked about the, repu- the rapport you've already had with them. Maybe you've already started a conversation, hits a point and you're like, ooh, not sure what the answer is or the best way to go about this is. Is that something you can go over to the wellbeing unit and ask the professionals for a few um, bit of guidance? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, and like for any one out there who is still at school if you're in that situation you can like if you've got a teacher or well a student support officer that you can trust or you do trust feel free to talk to them they're always happy to help they're always looking out for you first and foremost don't forget they see you probably more than they do some of their own families you're basically family to some of these teachers you can reach out to um mr pasha as well (laughs) (laughs) dear mr pasha (laughs) I mean, because I've had to discuss, I've had to discuss gayness in general with kids because I'm not hiding it very well. I don't know if you noticed. What? And, oh. What are you hiding? Um, I'm actually a bit gay. 
just a little bit. Oh. Two days of the year, a bit more than you. <laughs> I'm only one. <laughs> <laughs> Your diet, gay. <laughs> the margarine of gay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, when I have had to discuss it, I've been very honest with the kid and I've said, look, um, you've got to be comfortable with yourself first if you need help. <laughs> that is Nell's child. No, it's not. That's a kid outside <laughs> my house. I was like, Nell's kid is like screaming. No, it's not mine this time. <laughs> yeah, it's my neighbours. I'm sorry. That's okay. Maybe you should bring them in and ask them a couple of questions. <laughs> Why do you leave your home? <laughs> um, no, if I say anything else passive aggressive, I'll go out and I'll ask them face to face. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah, I've had to have discussions with kids about the topic itself. I, not as in depth, but much more from a well-being point of view. Focus on yourself. If you need any further help, I'll help. But I'm not always the best person to talk to about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does make. For me as a parent, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Sometimes you get a your kid comes and asks you questions and you really want to answer those questions and help, but sometimes you don't actually know the answers. Yeah. And sometimes you might need to outsource a bit of it, not pause the conversation, but maybe go and speak to somebody that you know in the community that can help you um, communicate with your child on those topics a little bit better. Mm. There are a lot of services out there that can help you. There's nothing wrong with engaging one of those. And you're not breaching confidentiality by ringing up someone like Lifeline or Beyond Blue or reaching out to a service like Acon and saying, I'm not mentioning names, I've got a child, they're this old. I just need a little bit of help in how do I move forward and make sure it's really safe and a, a healthy environment for them to continue moving along their path in life. Can I please have mm. some help? And you're never going to have anybody in those services say no. No, God, no. I mean, the best thing if you like your parent listening to the podcast and you think you think your child is a homosexual or any of the queer identifications um don't go up to them and be like are you gay yeah no <laughs> um that's Le one of the Le wait words. for where no you need to wait for them to engage <laughs> yeah. in that kind of work. i think <laughs> open the conversation make sure that they know that you're there to speak to whenever they need about whatever they need and that you'll always support them but asking those very direct questions of what are you gay or something that's not going to help anybody <laughs> not a great way to go about it engaging patience I'm here when you need to talk. Is there someone else you'd prefer to talk to? I can help you with that if you'd like. God, I wish my mother thought about that 16 years ago. And also, it's not a conversation. It's many, many, many conversations. Yes. As a parent, you need to, you want to solve your child's problems. It's not a five-minute conversation that you're going to get a resolution at the end of. And be like, right, fix it all, solve it all, know exactly where they're going in life. It's a long chain of conversations that you need to continue engaging in. I still have conversations with my parents every time. You certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. conversations with your parents. <laughs> um, 
even when like we're coming up with these questions, trying to, I know, hello, mom, listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, she was like, I want to know, I, I want to know this and this and this. I was like, mom, I can't ask that on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so love you, mom. Oh, 300 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've lost a bit. <laughs> you know, mom didn't realize till today. I was like, mom. Troy's that guy that used to walk really fast with the headphones on last <laughs> house. And mum's like, how oh, is it? <laughs> See, that's why she was asking about my weight. <laughs> no, she was I, I still walk really fast, but now my pants fall down faster, so I've got to stop and waddle for a bit while I pull my skinny jeans up. Yeah, I mean, that is a very belt. good sign. What do you just say now? Have, have, you, have you thought belt. about getting a belt? They're expensive. Yeah. Vodka's more important. <laughs> um, all right. I think that was good. That was good, I think. And it's good to get, like, a teacher's perspective of it as well. To know there is those outlets at school. I would have never known that. Um, oh, God. Like, I, growing up, we never had those kind of, whatever, department, welfare department. Well-being. Well-being. Well-being, well not welfare. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember one of my previous schools the student support office there is organising something different every week. They brought puppies into the school. They're incredible. Wow. And But there's also lots of other you options. You public school, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there's also lots of other options. Like now there's student-run gay-straight alliances that reach many schools. Hmm. There's so much more than when we were in school. Well, I was only in school a few years ago, so <laughs> a lot's changed in a few years. <laughs> I don't know why they're laughing, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, but they're being really horrible to me. It's because I'm bald. Um, oh, you know, oh. The, the best thing about it being everyone being bald in this chat, except for Nell, um, so Pasha and I, because we don't. And even it. then, when the lighting hits a bit. Yeah, you should see your lighting. That's what I was about to say. The lighting on your um, like head is like, woo! <laughs> Um, anyway, ladies and gents, let's go to the next question. Do you think now it's easier to be an openly out queer person than it was, than what it would have been in the 1950s, 60s? Does that make sense? It does. You could tell that I was just like, blah, 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 five minutes before <laughs> I had to leave mum and dad's house. Um, <laughs> well, do you think now think... it's easier to be an openly out queer person than what it would have been back in the 1950s, 60s? Well, well yes, for one, you no longer get a, get arrested for being out and queer. That's a major <laughs> difference between the 50s and 60s and now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's one. That's one. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the major points, yes. That's one of the major points. But I feel like it was still like that underground... Oh, absolutely, but it was kept underground. I don't think there's so much underground stuff anymore. That's why there's so many police arrests now. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, I think that's just like, yes. And if you, I feel like, I, Pasha hasn't even spoken yet and I'm just already answering. No, like, because I'm really intrigued by it. Hearing that question, I want to do a bit more study on it now. Yeah. Because the, imp the impression I had previously was because there was public discussion on it, it did push it further underground. And that made it a bit more like subsection, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. So I, yeah. Yeah, I, 
I'm going to read that. I'm going to read stuff. I'm going to read stuff on it. I'm going to say that I think in a sense it is easier now to be living openly as a queer person. But in another sense, it can be a little tricky because in the 50s and 60s, we did not have Facebook and Instagram and the access to immediate... Well, I didn't. You Anyway, yes, I'm a few years older than both of you. Um, (laughs) Okay, there wasn't Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and websites and trashy news on the TV 24 hours a day. So there were would have been, money. <laughs> there would have been less um, widespread trolling that we get nowadays. But the flip side is it would have been a bit more... Di- like, you would have had the hanky code or the sock code, but outside of that... Oh, the, the physical danger of being openly queer in the 50s and 60s would have been much greater than it is now. Absolutely. Absolutely. But- the physical danger of it, and you could get arrested and sent to jail. You could sent, be sent to a... They used to call them, I think, mental asylums. We call them a mental health facility nowadays and have all sorts of things done to you that you didn't consent to. Um, Now there's much less of that. But then on the other hand, we've got this horrible rhetoric of bullying and harassment that can come from the online community that we now have in the modern times. Absolutely. But... But I wouldn't compare the two outright and say it's easier now than it is then. They both came or come with their own pitfalls and triumphs. See, the biggest, I I would compare them. And I, because that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I can't, I, you can compare them and there's differences between the two, but I don't think that you can just say our trolling that you experience now is worse than the physical violence that somebody in the 50s and 60s might have had. And that's no, not no, to no. say that there's no violence against the queer community now either no 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 that's not what i was i was looking at going kind of say all their social media websites are also a positive yes they are that that's where i was going with like you had the hanky code and the sock code where it's like <laughs> you can identify rather than let's beat the shit out of them yes but i was going to say now it's a bit easier and it's not so um just reserved for dark sections of larger cities or... Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. there's more openness. Absolutely. And it's safer and to be open nowadays. Say that last bit again? It's safer to be open nowadays yeah. than it would have been in the 50s and 60s. Absolutely. I mean, if I can walk around being me, it's pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> not entirely safe, but much safer. What do you think, Kimberlina? Agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to get my charger, otherwise my laptop's going to die and we won't be recording the rest of this podcast. I knew we should have snuck something offensive in there. <laughs> what did you just say? Nothing. I was trying to, like, sneak off, like, so you couldn't see me. That's the best thing about not having a cam on when you're usually recording these kind of things. Anyway... We're ready to move on to the next question when you are, Timberlina. Oh, amazing. Since the definition of marriage has changed in Australia, has it had any effects? Tell us your observations. I'm, I'm okay to get married now. I. That's your only observation. Congratulations, that, girl. That is. 
that I, in this topic, I live completely in my own little bubble. And beforehand I was like, well, no one would want to marry me in the first place. And now I'm like, well, someone can, I'll find someone who's got no standards. <laughs> and now it's become a possibility. Nell's already married. I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so maybe as a married celebrant, I could probably offer some insight into this question a little bit, I suppose. Oh, my God, I wonder why that on, Oh, my God. <laughs> on a logistical level, um, the definition I've of seen marriage... Increase. <laughs> I would say that we would remember that it's the legal definition of marriage that has changed, not the moral or ethical or values-driven <laughs> section or definition of marriage that has changed. It is How much did you do before this? None. I'm just making this up. Uh, people will pay me to talk, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> um, has it had effect, much effect on me as a marriage celebrant? Not really. Before I was able to legally marry same-sex couples, I was doing commitment ceremonies for same-sex couples. So for me, the language around it, the celebration itself is all the same. Obviously, the legal side of it has opened up so I can now freely and openly marry people. Same sex, hetero, whatever. Two people, only two people <laughs> at any oh. one time. Um, I think, <laughs> you would, shut up. Um, <laughs> waiting for the wedding industry to pick back up in a couple of months. Yay! Um, everyone get married. <laughs> My observations are when marriage equality legislation did come in, there was a part of the community that thought there was going to be this, uh, you know, we're opening the floodgates and oh, yeah. all these gay marriages were going to happen straight away and people were going to get married. All this sort of ridiculous stuff. Um, for me, the floodgates haven't opened. The queer or gay community is still a minority in our broader community. So out of a 10 weddings that I would do, two are same sex. Okay. Some, sometimes it'd be one out of those 10. There's no rush. I've married people um, that have been together for 20 years, married people have been together for two years. It's, it's all the same in six that months. sense. Six months. <laughs> it's all the same. I've I'm curious, like, have you two seen, had people do the commitment ceremony and then come back to do the wedding? Yes. So one, yeah. of, one of the very first legal same-sex marriages that I did, well, actually two of them, were those couples had had uh, a big wedding. One of them I had done the commitment ceremony for. They had the wedding. They had the reception. They wore suits. There was a photographer. And then on the exact same date that they got married, I think it was the 30th of April, after their legislation changed. They came to me one lunchtime. We spent 10 minutes, five minutes, maybe not even that, did the paperwork. So their original wedding date, their commitment ceremony date lined up with their legally married date. Oh, and then, yeah, pretty cool. And then one of the second, one of the other couples that I did, they'd had a big commitment ceremony with another celebrant a couple of years prior. That celebrant wasn't available for them to do the legal type side of things. So again, couple of minutes did the paperwork hunky-dory so it is happening some of those couples that I've done commitment ceremonies for are slowly integrating back and they're saying hey how hard is this paperwork <laughs> it's not hard 
and I'll mostly do it for you. Please sign here, here and here. See, if I was to do that, I'd want another celebration. Well, some people, yes. I had a couple that I married a few months ago, I think in November last year, where they had a big wedding commitment ceremony. Um, In between that, they'd had a few children, their older children had grandkids. So we did a whole nother wedding all over again. Because why (laughs) not? (laughs) Now I've got more kids to feed. Let's do it. (laughs) And they did. They had a whole nother wedding again and they loved it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's what I would want. Who doesn't want parties? Everyone loves a party. I don't want to get married. Shut up. <laughs> you don't have to get married. That's the freedom of choice. You don't have to get married. Democracy. <laughs> I know if I do want to get married, Nell Drunk Jones celebrant will be my celebrant because I'll have no other choice. <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't done that many, like, same-sex weddings. I've done, like, one, two maybe uh, that's more than me well yeah because you're not an authorized marriage celebrant i'm um, just saying not an authorized one um, <laughs> but there's the unauthorized musicals out there <laughs> um i mean i've taken a massive step back from doing weddings i only really do weddings now if timberland is involved that's the terms and conditions of most weddings that i am doing um not legal terms and conditions obviously um <laughs> Um, they're just my needs and wants. Um, so it's easy for me to run away from a ceremony and just go straight to a show. Um, so, I mean, nothing's really, I don't haven't really seen much effects. I feel like everyone was like, yeah, same-sex marriage. We're going to get lots of bookings and lots of weddings. And it's just like, huh. <laughs> um, because it hasn't, I don't think people have seen the hike as what they wanted. Um, because gays are smart. Um, they would rather buy a house um, and a big house so they can entertain um, and then just run away and elope, I feel. I feel like a lot of gays have smaller weddings, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, that's how I see it. Um, but, yeah. Any, any other inputs on marriage, the legal definition of marriage? Pasha, do you have any thoughts on the legal definition of marriage? Oh, now I've added legal definition of marriage. He's got a whole new fact. (laughs) No, no, you're good. Okay, good. Um, How do you think we educate people on pronouns and other terminology? For example, out of drag, I'm a cis gay male with pronouns he, him. Is it? I. Well, you go. No, you go. Go on. Ladies first. No, you Sammy. first. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I still have moments where I completely fuck it up. Completely. And there is, like, I get spoken to by some people, like, because I'm gay. I know it all, and I'm like, no. no. <laughs> um. There is one I get a lot from some people and it tends to be the older crowd who are well-meaning but are just not sure to say and they say it. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're not sure if it if there is a pronoun for he or she, stick with they. they. That's or, the... 
or you can just try using the person's name. Well, yeah. If you know their name. That, that's, yeah, if you know their name. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, um, that's my fallback position where I'm speaking to somebody that's a friend and I just know I'm going to trip myself up at some point is I focus on the person's name. Yes. I mean, it's always good when you're introducing yourself or um, something. I feel like, I feel like Orlando and I got into this a little bit during our podcast um, where it's like, hi, my name is Tim and my pronouns are he, him. I feel like people need to get into that um, rhythm of being like, my name is Pasha Bolka. I am she, her. Yeah. But for me to do that, and I'm fine to do that, but I look at it and I'm like, I, whatever you call me. I am the same. Personally, I am the same. And I've said this during multiple, like I'm doing a lot of corporate gigs at the moment being virtually. And some are like, I can hear them still in when I put my screen up that says 10 minute break. Um, <laughs> I can still hear people talking. Um, the sound doesn't go away. And they were like, oh, is he doing another dance? And everyone's like, it's she, it's she. Did you not read, did you not read their signature? Um, so on my email signature, it's got Timothy Jackson, he, him, and then Timberlina, she, her. Um, oh. On my email signature. I think that's another good way to have it is in your email signature. Yeah. Um, and I had to do like a little lesson and he was like, oh, okay. And like, he got it. And the other, and he was like that older generation, like my parents' age. Um, but I feel like if you can then, if, for example, for us who we don't care how, if in or out of drag you go, he, she, I think it's more about education for our other persons out there that want us to like start educating people. So now in drag, I'm like, I'm Timberlina, she, her, and if I'm out of drag, it's Tim, he, him, just so you can start letting people know and they get the whole thing, but. That's my view on it. Um, and that's like a subtle way of educating. It's not just being like, hey, yeah. I am a, I am she, her. Um, I feel like that's very abrupt and then it makes people feel really awkward about it. Um, and then if you do get awkward and you stumble over it, don't make a big deal about it. Just no, no, no. I think, I think at that point goes both ways. So yeah. if you've been addressed as a pronoun, a pronoun that, doesn't suit you and that you're not comfortable with be gentle to the other person if you're on the other hand you've said the wrong pronoun and you're corrected don't be a dickhead about it and just yeah. try to remember for next time and just yeah. keep moving and if you really get really confused because it takes some people's minds we've got in society we have some very ingrained ideas of language and mm. sexuality and gender. So if you if your brain really isn't quite fluid yet, just stick with that person's name and they. Give it a go. And then eventually you might get it right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or then you can fall back on them, they. Like that's always the Yeah, them, they. Way, as Pasha said. Um, how would you teach young people about pronouns? For example, like the difference between drag and trans and sexuality. This is one question I get asked a lot during story time and people just inbox me. How can I teach my kid to use the right pronouns and how do I teach them all about that kind of stuff? Um, 
when it comes to say, because I've had this question come up in class where they'll say, oh yeah, because they mostly know about drag through RuPaul's Drag Race. They go, oh yeah, I love RuPaul. They're trans, what? And I've had to actually stop and say, okay, here's this, here's this, here's this. Yada, yada, yada. This can overlap, but let's not get into that just yet. Let's leave that for a bit later. Let's get you understand the key things. When I've had to do it, I mean, I'm in a good advantage because I'm a part of that community where I'm doing drag. I feel all, I feel awful for people who genuinely don't know and so afraid of walking on eggshells like we were talking about before that they sort of stumble over themselves and they confuse this with that or that with this because they're just freaking out and they're cold. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how I found, because kids are, if they're asking, they want to know. That's the biggest way I've done it. It's just very blunt. There you go. Yeah. I, for me as a parent, I actually don't teach my children any differently about pronouns and the difference between things like drag and trans any differently than I would an adult. Mm. And we've also got to remember people our age getting old and bitter, they still don't know. No. Like we were talking about before, it wasn't too long ago that the character of Chandler's father was being confused between the two and presented between the two. Because I don't think those writers 20 years ago knew what they were doing. No. <laughs> they just wanted Kathleen Turner, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for parents out there wanting to know the answer to this, I guess you know your child more than I do. Um and probably more than the teacher does, you can just start, start showing them stuff. But also Acon, if you haven't heard of Acon, yeah. Acon is like one of the best educational platforms out there um, for sexual health, blah, 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 blah. And, being, so a su- and being a support person to somebody questioning or not sure or just needing some education. But they have like educational tools on their thing that helps you... Just on their website, yeah, it's awesome. So if you as a parent asked a challenging question that you yourself, you're not sure about, jump on the ACON website and have a read. It'll take you 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to get the link up so I don't just... Like, it's not just ACON. You've also got Headspace, like we were talking about before, Lifeline, Kids... Rainbow Families. Rainbow Families. Um... And even, like... Your GP. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're worried about your, um, I almost said students, if you're worried about your children's health, I think you get like what, six free appointments? Yeah, if you get a, recur- like- if you get a mental health plan, you can have six um, counselling appointments type thing if you take them to the GP. Yeah. I think that, so- that, needs, that in itself needs to be done really, really carefully as a parent, yeah. like don't force your kid to the GP and say you're going on a mental health plan. Um, it's, a, it's a, something that you need to do together. And maybe if they're old enough that they sit and talk to the GP by themselves, don't sit next to them hounding them with questions. Oh God. Yeah, no. like leave them to talk to the GP and um, run the Medicare card, Medicare card afterwards and get that referral and help them make those appointments afterwards. And don't be nosy. No. 
don't ask, oh, what did they say? No. What's happening? And you don't need to sit in on every appointment if they're an older child, if they're like in their mid-late teens. You need to give them their privacy to, to speak to that professional. Mm, I agree. Also, um, I'm more than happy for people to reach out to me and I can give them links to different things that I can try and help, but I'm not going to give you a professional... Help. No. <laughs> no. I am just no. a full-time drag queen and event producer. So. Look, I'll give you lots of kudos, but that's not one of them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't give you technical advice, but I can give you a link to a website that's probably good. Yes. I'm really good at Google, actually, so um, just check me out. Um, I would just type in, like, LGBT <laughs> educational Australia stuff um, and then find links. Just probably don't go to, like... Um, any of those stupid websites. What am I thinking of? Those dumb news places. Like Daily Mail? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Pasha. Um, yeah, <laughs> in 20 years' time, do you think there will be still a stigma around old school normal? And what I mean by old school normal is um, for when my mum was growing up, it was normal to get married, have kids, buy a house. That was normal and that's what was brought into them. And now you can see slowly where um, a man, for example, was pushed into that normal life by his parents. He's now been able to come out and um, he's still with his family and stuff. He's able to like really know himself. Do you think in 20 years' time that stigma will still be around or um, do you think... It will be just like the normal to do whatever. Well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope not as well. I hope not. Um, the thing about humans are that there are lots of us and there will be sectors of the community that you can never, ever change their minds. There are large mm. religious organisations that are never going to change their views and they will continue indoctrinating people in those views and they will continue having, having those um members come through their church that are going to continue that on with their children in themselves but on the other yeah, hand that's not all churches i just no wanna, no of course yeah. it's not i said some no. <laughs> some no, no, no. i could just see one person at home going oh, not yeah. all some yeah. some <laughs> um, of the best others i've got are priests oh there's um a few anglican churches particularly in the newcastle area that are absolutely God, fabulous um the one up at adamstown Oh, yes. Fantastic. The Hamilton Baptist Church is amazing. They welcome their same-sex couples. I actually did a wedding there and oh. they were very supportive of it. So that was fantastic. Um, I, there's, no, I'm not saying all churches and all religions. Yeah. But in our, in our, there are squillions of humans, yes, on this earth. And there are always going to be sexes that you're never going to change their minds and there's going to be those stigmas. Slowly there are less of those and hopefully eventually more free thinkers and more accepting people. But uh, well, you can't, I don't think you're ever going to be able to change everybody's minds. No, there will always be, as a professional complainer myself, <laughs> there will always be one issue. And I look at it and say, I mean, this probably isn't the healthiest way, but the fact that there's people who may oppose certain lifestyles, I don't agree with that, but I think it, in a way, it makes us stronger. It not 
perfectly, and that may be a bit controversial, but I do think we need to have open no, minds. Yeah, and I think um, it's important to have um, differences of opinion so that you can yes. um, continue thinking and challenge your own thoughts and grow. Exactly. Otherwise, we're all going to become pretty stagnant pretty quickly, and that's going to be pretty fucking boring. I'm so glad you can interpret exactly what I'm saying without trying to put my whole foot in my mouth. <laughs> she's a mum. But, but can, we yeah. try, can we try that later? Can I put your foot in your mouth? Oh, as, you, as this happens. <laughs> you were so close then. From my view, it actually looked like that one in your mouth. Ow! Did I just touch your head? Yeah. Oh, you're a flexible girl. You can do the split soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they're like good, that's good way of looking at it, I guess. Thank you. I feel like if you have like other questions or points of views of like any of the questions we've done in the episode today, I think start a conversation on like the Facebook page or the Instagram. Um, Nell loves having a chit chat now that she's um, a stay at home mum. So she'll probably answer it more than me. Um, but to finish this with like something really fun and cause Pasha and I are currently doing Saturday night lives together, together, <laughs> together. Um, and this is one of the big questions that always comes up. What's your views on coriander? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Like in everything, like, do you put it in like, a, like, I don't know, like your packets of chips. Like, do you just like eat it by itself? I was actually really tempted when this question came around to like pull up a packet and just start I'd be like, go and bathe in that. That's what it tastes like. Fucking soap. Well, like, like, like everything in life, I think um, coriander has its place. So coriander has its place on the top of a nice soft shell Mexican taco. Absolutely. Yeah. Coriander has its place in its tabbouleh on my kebab at 3am on a Sunday morning. That's fine. Why is the Julie <laughs> blood voice going on? Well, that was a great but, question. Thank you. And I've been waiting for you. Because I, I feel strongly about this. But I don't think coriander's for every situation. I agree. What about a salad? Mm -mm. On a what? In a salad? Mm. Depends on the salad itself. The salad like in the kebab, nice, yes. In it, in the <laughs> That's fine. On my kebab, go your hardest. Next to my snack pack, fine. <laughs> no. Um, all right, now that we've got those points of views across. <laughs> chocolate, fridge or cupboard? Based on the season. I don't like chocolate. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm waiting for the hate mail to roll through. Well, I can give you something. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, because you don't want it to go like gooey and soft in something. Oh. It just means you have to eat it faster in summer. <laughs> I'm doing it as fast as I can. <laughs> and it's like melting through your fingers and you're trying to catch it. <laughs> Okay, I get that, I get that. I would say, I always say cupboard. Um, or keep it in a safe place lower than 23 degrees Celsius. <laughs> That's what lots of packets say, I'm pretty sure. Um, now, this is one that I feel like is bigger than coriander. Sauces, fridge or cupboard? 
Which sauces? Yeah. There's a there's there's so tomato sauce or barbecue sauce. Cupboard. Sent oh. It's a new lantern south primary. <laughs> so you say cupboards for both cupboard. of them. Cupboards for both of them. Mayonnaise. Fridge. Fridge. It's dairy, isn't it? Yeah, no. it's got egg in it. It's yeah. got egg in it. Proper okay, so if you look at the back it. of your packaging for tomato and barbecue sauce, it actually says, once open, please put in the fridge. My mum, since last Sunday, has now started putting all of her sauces in the fridge uh, since she watched my live oh. show. So It hasn't killed me these past 30, five years. <laughs> but I 100% agree, like some sauces can go in the cupboard, but most should be in the fridge once they are open. Oh, put put your aioli in the fridge. Put your mayonnaise yeah. in the fridge. What you about put your sweet, sweet, sweet and sour in the fridge. Sweet and sour is the fridge. Sweet chili, depending on the brand, sometimes it's fridge. cupboard, sometimes it's fridge. fridge. Anything that's open, fridge. Mm. Yeah. Hasn't killed me yet. Yeah, but you also smoke and drink about 45 beers a night and three packets of cigarettes, so... Well, I'm resilient if nothing else. Yeah. Except for sperm. You love that and you've produced two kids. <laughs> I wouldn't say I, I loved it. I did tolerate it <laughs> twice to produce two children, but this podcast just got really deep and Pasha is like, um, I think I'm breaking up. Quickly <laughs> <laughs> you said and sperm <laughs> right into the microphone. After we just finished talking about sauces. <laughs> Love an aioli On topic. <laughs> Sperm, fridge or cupboard? <laughs> Sperm, fridge or cupboard? Frozen. <laughs> please that. <laughs> that frozen, please. I'll reuse it when I can. In the ice dispenser? <laughs> what? In the ice dispenser? Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't use my ice dispenser when you come over. <laughs> you might fall pregnant. <laughs> Jokes I don't know. My pretty cocktail tastes a bit spermy and stuff. Tastes <laughs> a bit salty, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, can we wrap this up? All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Yas Queen. Like any other episode, um, if you have any questions you want us to answer during Q and A, shoot them to yasqueen at timberproductions.com.au or DM me or whatever you want to do. Um, if you're hot, turn up to my house. <laughs> Anything? Last words from you guys? Fettuccine. <laughs> I don't have too many last words. Um, I think just rounding back on everything we've talked about today, it's about openness, patience, kindness, equality, and acceptance. And do what you can. And if you don't know the answers as a parent or as a teacher, seek those outside sources. Absolutely. Google. Um, <laughs> just remember, I love you all sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I'll see you in the very near future. My name is Timberlina. Top shelf talent. Pour yourself a double. Peace out. And good night. Can they hear us waving? They <laughs> <laughs> <I> can't. <laughs> <laughs>
If you have any questions about anything and everything, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at YasQueenPodcast and send them through. Once a month, we'll compile all the questions and have them answered by queers and allies from around the country. Until next time, my name is Timberlina, top shelf talent. Pour yourself double. Peace out. Love you all. Listener.